Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Katie and I once again are excited about this episode. It's a topic that gets talked about a lot in our circle, and so we're excited to kind of give our two bits on what what people mean when they say marriage is supposed to make you holy, not happy. Also, Katie and I are really excited because we've got a website now. Now that we're a family.com is officially live up and running, and we'd love for you guys to go check that out. And be sure to give this podcast a rating or a review. Just at the very least, just tap on the on the stars, preferably the five stars. And uh, we we always love seeing that. It means so much to us. All right, guys, thanks. We'll get this thing going. Hey, I'm Elisha Voper. And I'm his wife, Katie. Katie and I both grew up in big families that were fun, impactful, and relationship-rich. Now that we're a family of our own with two young children and our third on the way, there's nothing that excites us more than seeing what God can do through the family unit. We're so excited that you're joining us on this podcast as we dive into what the Bible says about marriage, children, parenting, money, sex, careers, roles, and so much more. Katie, are you ready? Let's go! And we're back with another episode. Katie, do you know which do you know which number of episodes this is for us? Is it ten? Nope. It's number eleven. No way. Yeah, How fun. Fl- yeah, time flies. I that's actually crazy. It feels like we just started. Yes, it totally does. Which ten episodes isn't a lot, but it just doesn't seem like we've done that many. Yeah, I know. I'm excited. Yeah, I am too. This is actually Katie and I's first time recording a podcast with each other with each other in the middle of the day. Usually, we record the podcast late at night after the kiddos are in bed. Yes, and it's usually like last minute. We're like, okay, we have to get this up tomorrow, so we just have to do it tonight. Right, right. <laughs> but um, I'm really, I don't know, it's it's a little bit different, honestly, doing it in the day. I yeah. hope I can get in the groove. Yeah, we actually came over to Katie's parents' house and put the kiddos down for a nap here, and then came out to their guest house. And set up our little podcast studio, our little portable studio. Yeah, it's pretty portable. It works well. We don't have high, high tech equipment, sound gear. What we do don't have do? a sound man. We bring with us. Hey, that's that's what I do. I'm the sound <laughs> oh, you're man. Right? Yes, the all in one. Yes. So today's episode is something that I'm pretty excited about, and I know that Katie is as well. And we really want to approach this subject with, um, I guess, just an, a, a humble mindset. Obviously, like we would want to approach any concept. Um, and really just sharing kind of our personal experience and what we've learned over the years from numerous mentors and pastors and teachers, and then what we've, I guess, more or less concluded on our own just from studying God's word. And we're talking about the topic of marriage. And I don't know if you guys have ever heard this saying or this reference, but it's, I know I grew up hearing it and I've heard it since being an adult too, where people will say marriage is supposed to make you holy, not happy. Or something along those lines. They'll, yeah. They'll communicate that message. And overall, I think I understand usually where they're coming from. And it's I don't think people are trying to, you know, make you miserable in your marriage. But a lot of times it can have a very negative connotation, whether or not the person saying it is intending for it to be a negative connotation. And so Katie and I just thought we would dig a little deeper into that concept of of whether or not marriage is supposed to make us holy or happy or both or neither or wh- how, how we view that. Yeah, and I do think that this, like you touched on, Elisha, comes from this whole statement 
I guess, when someone says, oh, marriage is meant to make you holy, not happy. It's often combating that belief that, oh, God wants me to be happy. And I've heard a lot of people say this to condone divorce Hmm. or separation. Like, I just wasn't happy in my marriage and God wants me to be happy. And the truth is, is that when when, whoa. (laughs) And the truth is, when we actually go and look at the scripture, nowhere in the Bible does it ever say God wants us to be happy. There's a lot of verses on joy, being filled with the joy of the Lord, but this happiness emotion isn't talked about, Mm -hmm. and especially in regards to marriage. And I just, so I guess it makes sense to me why people would say this, but at the same time, it, like you said, it comes off very derogatory. Yeah, I think it sounds negative, and I think I would 100%, if this is only spoken in the context of trying to encourage somebody to stay in a marriage Mm -hmm. and to not terminate a marriage, then I would stand by it. Meaning if somebody thinks that, you know, the lack of happiness is grounds for a divorce, then I would say, no, that's not grounds for a divorce ever. Yeah, the Bible's very clear about what is and what isn't, and it's not happiness. Exactly. There are grounds for separation and and happiness is not one of them. And, uh, and I think that when we look, yeah, what God has brought together, let no man bring apart. And so if you're referring to holiness over happiness in that context, then I a hundred percent stand by that. Uh, but I, I do not think that pursuing happiness in marriage is a bad thing. In fact, I think it's a really good thing. And I know that Katie and I have seen that exemplified in many marriages that we look up to that I would say are both holy and happy. And I know that Katie and I definitely want to strive to be holy and happy. And a lot of this, I think, does come down to, you know, a couple episodes ago, Katie and I talked about our giant five. And first and foremost, in both Katie and I's life, lives as individuals, is our relationship with the Lord. And then our marriage comes after that. And so if you're seeking the Lord, seeking to honor him, then yes, you're going to want to have a marriage that not only sticks together, but then also flourishes because I do feel like that is most glorifying and honoring to God when you're in this institution that he created, he ordained marriage, and he, I think he wants to see it carried out in, a, in an honoring way to him, you know, in a, in a mm-hmm. fulfilling way to the people involved and in a way that's honoring to him. So those things I think are entirely aligned, your walk with the Lord and then how you go about your marriage. But there is one thing that I want to, I think, communicate right from the beginning and just this whole concept of holiness. You know, marriage is supposed to make you holy, not happy. And I firmly believe, and I know Katie does too, that only Christ can make us holy. Only Christ's substitutionary death on the cross, you know, where he bore our sins and he conquered sin by raising from, you know, he took the sins to the grave and then he conquered sin by, by raising from the dead. That's the only thing that can make mankind holy. Any other thing in our own efforts or in our own willpower is going to fall dreadfully short. You know, man's greatest works are filthy rags before God's, and there's nobody that's good. No, not one. And the Bible is very clear on that. So I do believe that you have to start with that foundation of, okay, holiness is only going to come from Christ. And a lot of times I think that it's easy to get, you know, I think that a lot of people will understand that, yes, positionally, We are holy before God because of Jesus Christ. His substitutionary death has taken away the sin in my life, and therefore I do not need to suffer the consequences of those sins. So before God, I'm right. But then that's that's positionally, but then people want to look for practical ways to act more holy. And as we all should, right? Because it's it's one thing to say, well, hey, wife, I'm I'm positionally holy before God, 
And she's sitting there looking at me thinking, well, you're practically terrible at, <laughs> you know, practically speaking, you're terrible at being holy. You don't show me love. You don't show me kindness. You're irritable with me. You're quick to anger. That you want to be able to grow in that practical holiness as well. And that's something that, you know, a lot of Christians refer to as maturity. I think I hear it, you know, people mm-hmm. talking about the maturity in their faith. Um, some Christians even refer to it as sanctification. I don't think that's usually the context of what that word's used in the Bible. Um, it may be in some context, but a lot of people refer to it as sanctification. It may be just growing in your faith as you practically start to behave in a more holy manner. And I do think that that's what people are talking about when they're saying marriage is supposed to make you holy, not happy. But I did want to establish that at the beginning, that only Christ can make us positionally holy before God. And I would go even further and say only Christ can make us practically holy too. It's only the working of the Holy Spirit and the power of God to give us self-control, to give us victory over sins in our life that would tear down our marriage. Mm -hmm. And I do think too, a lot of people probably gather that whole holiness concept from these verses in Ephesians, where it's talking about husbands, love your wives. I'm just going to read this here, starting in verse 25, where it says, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, having no spot nor wrinkle nor any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So here it's talking about a husband washing his wife with the word Hmm. um, and cleansing her in that way. And it's talking about that comparison between Christ and the church. But I don't think that most people talk about this kind of holiness when they're saying marriage is meant to make you holy, not happy. It's more of like a drudgery. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard it talked about in a very, yeah, like you said, drudgery or a negative way, like it's a burden. Yes. Like, oh, marriage doesn't make you happy. We'll suck it up. It's it's the cross you have to bear as yes. a Christian, you know, following Christ. And like you were talking about earlier, just the relationship with Christ and the church is always seen as a glorious thing. It is. Yes, it's 100% glorious. When when Christ is using, or yeah, when, when the author of these books, you know, in this case, Paul, is using the illustration of Christ and the church to talk about, or vice versa, really, he's using the illustration of marriage to talk about Christ and the church. That's a glorious thing. You know, Christ and the, and the church, that is, a ha- that is a fulfilled relationship. I would even use the word happy, even though the Bible doesn't talk about that. It's a holy, it's a joyful, it's a, it's a I guess, dynamic relationship mm-hmm. that I think we're going to be able to enjoy for eternity with yeah. the Lord, and I enjoy it right now. The Bible says that I don't have this verse, but you guys look it up that God delights in us. He Mm. finds delight in us and we are to delight in him and worship him. That is just a beautiful relationship of Christ in the church. We are not a burden to Christ. He doesn't see us as his burden to bear. He does it out of joy. And likewise, we don't see being Christians or following Christ as this burden or this thing we have to bear. It's a freeing, joyous relationship that we get to be a part of. And so I think this verse here in talking about a husband sanctifying his wife and making her holy by washing her with the word is a beautiful word picture. Hmm. And it's just shouldn't ever be seen, I guess, is a burden. Yeah, I totally agree. And that makes me think of this quote again. Marriage is meant to make you holy, not happy. It can tend to come off sometimes with this martyrdom mindset. And 
I feel it can lend to being an excuse for people not working on their marriage. And I know for me, I never want to make an excuse for not working to make my marriage sexy, fun, playful, fulfilling. That's what I want my marriage with Elisha to be. And I never want to, if if we get in a hard season, which we have been in seasons before where it's like, it isn't any of these things, you know, it is tough. I don't want that to just be something I accept hmm. and say, well, you know, I'm not supposed to be happy anyways. I'm just supposed to have this be holy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I never want to just stay married because God's using Elisha to get rid of the selfishness in me or be that iron sharpening iron. Like marriage is a blessing. It's a joy. And nowhere in the Bible, you guys look it up. <laughs> nowhere in the Bible does God say he created marriage to be any form of a burden. Hmm. Ever. Marriage just isn't mentioned as a burden unless a husband or a wife is acting outside of their God-given role. Wow. And then it is considered right. a burden in that right. in that case scenario. But I did just want to read a couple of verses here. There were so many. So I just picked a few of the top ones. Um, these are all in Proverbs, but Proverbs 5, 18 through 19, may your fountain be blessed and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth, a loving doe, a graceful deer, may her breast satisfy you always. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. <laughs> no. That's a little, you know, nitty gritty wow, right there. Getting steamy in here. But I love what I wanted to point out is it says rejoice in the wife of your youth. Mm -hmm. But it's not just when you're young. It says, may she always satisfy you. Yes. May you always be intoxicated. Like the Lord is saying, this is supposed to stay mm -hmm. exciting. Yes. And refreshing. It's not supposed to just get old and dormant. And with Proverbs twelve four, a virtuous woman is a crown to her husband. Hmm. That's a blessing right yep. there. Right. Um, in Proverbs eighteen twenty two, whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing, and obtaineth favor of the Lord. And good is you know that word that God used to describe as He created all of creation. It was good. Like yes. that is such a powerful word. Right. And it's not just so, so I right. guess. And these are just a few verses, but I just think that spouses do stretch us. They grow us. They do draw us closer to the Lord, hopefully, and make us lean on him. But if our marriage isn't happy, there is something wrong. I never want to just accept it. That's so good. And I think that, like you said, there are going to be seasons where, there's less happiness in the home or oh, there's, yeah. <laughs> there's maybe some strife between, between you and I or between spouses. Um, and if you are to look at that season and then align it with one of these passages, it says he that findeth a wife findeth a good thing. And a man reads that just after a huge fight with his wife, <laughs> then he could say, okay, well this clearly isn't what the Lord had in mind for, for marriage. I, I married to the wrong person. Because this thing that I found is not a good thing. <laughs> and so therefore... I know you felt that way no, sometimes. Yeah, right. No, that's not it's what true. I'm, refer I'm not referring to anything in my own life at all. Um, well. But if you don't have, I think, proper, I'd say, theology or just understanding of marriage and God's ways, then I think you could take that at face value and say, okay, I'm not happy in this moment. Therefore, that's grounds for ending this relationship or getting a divorce because... Clearly, God said that he that finds a wife finds the good thing, and I'll be the first to say that this is not good in my life. Well, you're only looking at it from a temporary kind of self-seeking perspective in a, in a very small vacuum of time right mm -hmm. there in doing that. And like you said, you, I think a lot of times people 
use this. Okay, well then there's this not grounds for divorce. So I guess marriage is supposed to make me holy, not happy. And they just stay in that place. Yeah. They say, okay, so if the options are terminating the marriage or which God does not want at all, he forbids it in this context, then I guess I need to stay in the marriage in order to honor God. And therefore I'm a martyr and just my marriage stinks. My life stinks, but I'm doing it because I'm a holy person. I'm, I'm laying down my life or I'm, I'm crucifying my flesh or I'm picking up my cross you know, just these isms that Christians use, they pull these Bible verses totally out of context and, and use them to make them feel good about, I think, just little pain points in their life. When in reality, I think they're probably just being bad at marriage. You know, they're probably the problem or they're not willing to work again towards happiness and oneness in their marriage. I know I've totally felt that way, not not as extreme where I wanted to end our marriage or anything like that, but I can remember you know, after certain fights or certain disagreements, just thinking, well, fine, I guess I just have to be self-righteous and pious the rest of my life living with somebody that I'm not thrilled about. Right? <laughs> yeah, that is such a discouraging place to be. And I think we mentioned things like fights or whatever, because Elisha's in my relationship is very dynamic. And, you know, we cannot relate at all to the couples that say, we've, we never fight. We agree about everything. You know, I feel like we're both very opinionated. And so we have our high moments and we have our low moments. Yep. <laughs> I guess I can just relate to that. Yes. A hundred percent. So I think that those points are really good, Katie. I, I, I never want to use, um, I guess God's design for marriage to be an excuse for just not growing, you know, or, or, yes. or to just take on this attitude of, or, or of martyrdom, like you said, mm-hmm. uh, say, well, I guess this is just the burden I have to carry for the rest of my life mm-hmm. in order to be a good Christian. I always want to have a growth mindset. So that when we do hit those lows, we do hit mm-hmm. those low moments. I'm thinking, okay, God designed this to be a good thing. I'm going to work back again. I'm going to work to f- experiencing that good that yeah. he intended this to be. And I think holiness and happiness aside, God created marriage to be a blessing. He created it to be joyful and rewarding and fulfilling and a blessing to both spouses for uh, like a wife when she's honoring her husband that makes a man feel so good Mm. and a wife that is well loved by her husband I can definitely speak to this it's one of the most incredible feelings to feel that acceptance and unconditional love so yeah I guess regardless of whether we're holy or happy I want to live out marriage the way God intended marriage to be lived out. And that's always trying to grow towards our relationship with him, ultimately. Yes. Which is very full of joy in the yep. presence of him. Yes, 100%. And I do think it's good to understand that happiness and holiness are not mutually exclusive. Because as you already stated, happiness, our happiness is not spoken of in the Bible. Uh, holiness is spoken of in the Bible. And so, therefore, I think holiness, if you were to say, which one's more important? Well, holiness is. You know, that's yeah. why Christ died. That's why he came to earth. It was to make us holy so that we could be presentable to, to God the Father, so that we could have a relationship with him. And in that, I think that joy or happiness can be can certainly be a fruit of, of those things. So I do not think that they are... Yeah, it's a fruit of the Spirit. For sure, joy is. Joy is, exactly. And I don't think that happiness and holiness needs to be need to be at odds with each other. And so I think that's something that I know you and I agree on, and I think that most people probably would agree on that. Something else that I hear in the Christian husband vernacular, I would <laughs> say, is this line of, husband, you're supposed to lay down your life for your wife, or lay down, you know, lay down your life. 
And I think they're usually referring to that passage that you already read, Katie, which it does say clearly, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Christ did lay his life down for the church, and that's what this is referring to. And so husbands, therefore, lay your life down for your wife, which I will be the first person to say that amen. That's absolutely what the Bible is referring to. But it doesn't end there. Like when, when I think of laying my life down, for my wife as Christ did for the church. That's I'm not a victim in that situation. That does not lessen the quality of my life. I don't view this from the lens of, oh, everything I ever wanted to be or I ever wanted to do, I need to sacrifice at the foot of being a husband, at the altar of being a husband to my wife. Mm. When I actually think of what the what the verse is saying there, it's comparing husbands to Christ and saying, lay your life down for your wife as Christ did the church. And then it goes on to say that he might present her as a beautiful bride, holy and without blemish to himself. And then I think of even more beyond that, Christ is the conqueror. He wins his bride. And then he's seated at the right hand of God after doing that. He is the victor in this whole story that's unfolded. And so for me as a husband to be paralleled this just my small role here on earth as being a husband to be paralleled with that of as of christ's work with the church to me that is such an honoring position and it's a very victorious position the last thing i am is the loser in that position <laughs> and i think a lot of times i hear this like you've already said it the martyrdom mindset from from christian husbands saying well i really i shouldn't pursue my dreams or i shouldn't do i shouldn't do what i want to do you know, and have my own hobbies because I need to lay my life down for my church or sorry, for my, for my wife. And maybe some of these hobbies or their dreams are dumb and they shouldn't be pursuing them. (laughs) But that said, if, if you're being compared to Christ loving the church, the last thing you should do is reference that verse with a sobby, sorrowful face. You know, that should be a very courage inducing verse where you're thinking, man, Christ said I'm supposed to be like him. What did Christ do? He, he conquered sin and death. He won the bride to himself. He presented his bride holy, and, and he cherished his bride and presented them holy to himself. And so to me, when I think of that verse that's sometimes used in that negative context, I'm thinking, man, there's nothing negative in that. For either party, the bride wins and the husband wins in that context when he lays his life down for his bride like Christ did the church. That's a very glorious, victorious thing. And I think that is so empowering as a wife to hear that because no wife wants to feel like the burden. Like, I remember when we were engaged, I think, and you were, we were talking about different things, working through different life challenges. And you were like, well, I know I'm supposed to lay my life down. So, you know, you were going to give up whatever you wanted for me. And that just like bummed me out so bad. I was just like, I don't want that to be our marriage. And you remember me telling mm-hmm. you that I just, I didn't want to be the, the fun killer <laughs> or, you know, the one that was just like making you a sacrifice out of you. Mm. Like I didn't want to sacrifice for a husband right. and it was probably like a year into marriage when you had this concept or this kind of revelation of when you die, like Christ's life didn't end at the grave. He rose three days later. Mm. Now he reigns right. and I loved how you carried that thought cycle all the way through because it was really encouraging and empowering to be like, 
my role in your life isn't a burden. Hmm, I mean, I can make it that way. No, (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, there are times when I am acting again out of my God-given role and I become a burden. And Hmm. that's just, that's true. But Christ here isn't saying husbands, wives are a burden. That's just your lot in life. Exactly. I agree. That's not at all what that passage is saying. Um, And so, and I think that ultimately if Katie and I have kind of a, a tone or an attitude of pushing back on this concept of marriage is supposed to make you holy, not happy. It's not even that we disagree with that statement. Yeah. I think we do we fundamentally agree. agree that first off, only Christ can make us holy. We don't think that happiness and holiness are mutually exclusive. And we do think that God gave marriage. He, he invented that as a blessing. It's referenced every time in the Bible as being a blessing, unless one of the, one of the spouses, one of the, the husband or the wife is acting outside of God's law or of God's role mm-hmm. for them. And then it becomes, uh, you know, that person becomes kind of a curse, but it's not marriage. That's the problem. Yes. It's the person acting outside of God's will. And so when I look at marriage, it's a blessing, it's a gift. And so no matter how, I guess, difficult or the low moments, as low as the moment, low moments can get. I always want to be seeking that blessing in marriage that I truly mm-hmm. believe is there, that God intended for it to be, that I've seen carried out in different examples in our own life, and I think can be experienced by any Christian couple. I do think any marriage outside of Christ is not going to have the, in, the, the mm-hmm. intended result that, that God had for it. Marriage is a, it's an institution designed by God, meant to be carried out by you know Christians to God's glory and to his honor, but I do think it can be enjoyed by the people involved when you are aligned with God's word. Yeah. I mean, there's an entire book of the Bible. We aren't going to dive into Song of Solomon, you know, but I really think that that is just a beautiful picture in an entire book referencing a marriage relationship. Yeah. And it's referencing referencing a small part of a marriage relationship. But I do just think if there's anything we want to come across in this podcast, it's just we never want to settle in our marriage Mm -hmm. and let these little quotes or things that people say tear us down or let us stay in a place where we aren't achieving the fullness that God has in store for us. That's right. Because God did say, hey, count it all joy when you encounter various trials. And he said, when? Meaning trials are going to come in our life. And the last thing I want to have is an unnecessary trial. And I think that if marriage becomes your biggest trial or your biggest burden, then you're really missing out on what God can do through your life. I'd rather encounter the trials that are going to come with a unified marriage because Mm -hmm. then if that's on a solid ground, then we can enjoy each other, we can enjoy our marriage, and we can tackle this trial together because trials are going to come to anybody that's a follower of Christ and when there Mm -hmm. is going to be persecution. But to say that some things are persecution that are not persecution, I think is really kind of dishonoring to the gospel message to say that something like marriage is your cross that you're bearing is extremely diminishing of the actual work of Christ on the cross. And I do think it's not embracing the life that God gave us by going to the cross. He gave us victory over sin. He gave us newness of life. And I do think that that can be enjoyed in a marriage relationship. Amen. 
I literally have nothing to add to that, Elisha. Awesome. Cool. I guess we can probably wrap this thing up. Yeah? Yeah, you, absolutely. You were able to say everything you wanted to say? <laughs> yes, I was. Okay, cool. I think I was too. That was fun. You guys, thanks for listening. Please, 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 please uh, let us know what you thought about this episode. Leave a review if you'd like or you know, give us a, a rating at, uh, you know, here on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast. Actually. And we do just say all you have to do is click the stars. It means so much and it helps get this podcast out to reach more married couples but when you guys do take the time to write a review and we get to read your words it is so powerful to us so i just want to thank you guys who have taken that time to write reviews just know that we read them over and over and they are just such a big encouragement amen that's awesome thank you guys we'll see you next week